0: Welcome to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we cover the topic of psychiatric medications found under the drug section at medbullets.com. Psychiatric medications can be broken down into the following categories antidepressants, antipsychotics, bipolar medications, and anxiolytics. Let's start off by discussing the antidepressants. First, we have the class of tricyclics. Amitriptyline blocks reuptake of norepinephrine and serotonin whereas nortriptyline has action on 5-HT, muscarinic, dopaminergic, and histaminic receptors, among many others. Both of these medications are tricyclic antidepressants and are indicated in the cases of depression and pain syndromes. Another tricyclic antidepressant is imipramine. This medication blocks 5-HT, norepinephrine, dopamine, and acetylcholine reuptake, among many others. This medication is indicated in the use of bedwetting. All of these tricyclic antidepressants can cause convulsions, coma, cardiotoxicity, and anticholinergic side effects with toxicity. Now for the non-tricyclic SNRIs. Venlafaxine and duloxetine are both serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. These medications are indicated in the cases of depression, anxiety, comorbid headaches, and diabetic peripheral neuropathy. Toxicity of these medications can lead to stimulant effects, sedation, and increased blood pressure. Next, we have the SSRIs. Citalopram, fluoxetine, paroxetine, and sertraline are all serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These medications have indication for use in depression, anxiety, and social anxiety, especially paroxetine. Toxicity of the SSRIs can cause serotonin syndrome, which happens in combination with MAOIs, SNRIs, and TCAs. Toxicity can also lead to sexual dysfunction, GI distress, and SIADH, which you can manage with cyproheptadine. Next we have bupropion, which is a weak norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitor. This medication is indicated for use in depression and smoking cessation. Bupropion toxicity can lead to lowering of the seizure threshold, tachycardia, headache, and note that it has no sexual side effects. Next we have the MAOIs, isocarboxazid, phenylzine, and trenosipramine all inhibit monoamine oxidase, or MAO, increasing catecholamine and dopamine levels. These medications are indicated for use in atypical depression and social anxiety. Toxicity of the MAOIs can cause hypertensive crisis with tyramine consumption especially, and serotonin syndrome when it's combined with SSRIs, SNRIs, and TCAs. Next, we have the antipsychotics. Let's go over the low-potency class first. Chlorpromazine and thioridazine both cause D2, alpha-1, cholinergic, and histaminic blockade. These medications are indicated in psychosis, schizophrenia, and mania. Toxicity of these low-potency antipsychotics can cause extrapyramidal side effects, hyperprolactinemia, antimuscarinic side effects, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, tardive dyskinesia, corneal deposits in the case of chlorpromazine, and retinal deposits in the case of thioridazine. Next, we have the high-potency antipsychotics. Droperidol and perfenazine both work by causing D2 blockade and are indicated in psychosis. Toxicity of these medications can cause extrapyramidal side effects, hyperprolectinemia, anti-muscarinic side effects, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, and tardive dyskinesia. Now let's discuss the atypical SDAs. Clozapine, olanzapine, risperidone, and quetiapine all work by affecting serotonin, dopamine, alpha-1, and histamine receptors. These medications are indicated for use in psychosis, bipolar disorder, OCD, anxiety, depression, and mania. Toxicity of these medications can cause agranulocytosis, so you must monitor WBC levels, weight gain, antipyramidal symptoms, anticholinergic side effects, QT prolongation, hyperlipidemia, such as that seen with olanzapine, and hyperprolactinemia, such as that seen with risperidone. Next, let's talk about the bipolar medications. Carbamazepine works by blocking sodium channels and is indicated in bipolar disorder, especially rapid cycling bipolar disorder. It's also indicated in trigeminal neuralgia and also used as an antiepileptic. Now a word on carbamazepine toxicity. Know that this medication is teratogenic, can cause granulocytosis, aplastic anemia, SIADH, Steven Johnson syndrome, diplopia, and ataxia. Also know that this medication is a P450 inducer. Next we have lithium. This medication has an unknown mechanism. This medication has an unknown mechanism of action, but is used in bipolar disorder. Lithium toxicity can lead to nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, hypothyroidism, and also teratogenic effects such as Epstein anomaly. Valproic acid works by blocking voltage-gated sodium channels, it inhibits GABA transaminase which helps increase GABA, and blocks thalamic T-type calcium channels. This medication is indicated for use in bipolar disorder, it's used as an antiepileptic and also for absence seizures in which it's considered second line to ethosuximide. Valproic acid toxicity can lead to hepatotoxicity, teratogenic effects, tremor, weight gain, GI complications, and you can treat overdose with carnitine. The last class of psychiatric medications we'll discuss in this episode is the anxiolytics. Benzodiazepines, such as lorazepam and diazepam, work by increasing frequency of GABA channel opening. They're indicated for use in seizures and also act as anxiolytics. Toxicity of these medications can lead to sedation, tolerance, respiratory depression, and dependence. Barbiturates, such as phenobarbital, pentobarbital, and thiopentol work by increasing duration of GABA channel opening. These medications are indicated as a sedative, anxiolytic, in the case of seizures, and also for induction of general anesthesia, especially thiopentol. Toxicity of these medications can lead to respiratory and cardiovascular depression, dependence, and they're also known to be P450 inducers. Finally, we have zolpidem. This medication is a GABA channel agonist, and used in the cases of insomnia and as a muscle relaxant. Zolpidem toxicity can lead to ataxia, headaches, confusion, and dependence. Now let's practice applying some of these concepts with some practice questions. Question number one. A 55 year old woman presents to the emergency department with altered mental status. She was found in her bedroom by her husband and was minimally responsive. The patient has a history of borderline personality disorder, chronic kidney disease, diabetes mellitus, heart failure, alcoholism, and IV drug abuse. Her temperature is 97 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 61. Pulse is 67 per minute. Respirations are 8 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 100% on room air. Neurological exam reveals a somnolent patient who arouses to sternal rub. Her pupils are 3 millimeters and reactive bilaterally. Laboratory studies are ordered and result as follows. A hemoglobin of 12, hematocrit 36%, leukocyte count of 5,500 with normal differential, and a platelet count of 201,000. The serum shows a sodium of 151, chloride of 101, potassium of 3.9, bicarb of 17, BUN one of 20, glucose of 110, creatinine of 1.9, calcium comes back at 7.7, AST-ALT are 7.87 and 5.41 respectively, and finally, ammonia is 175. And keep in mind that the normal value for ammonia is less than 32. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment for this patient's presentation? 1. Femepazole, 2. Glucagon, 3. L-carnitine, 4. Lactulose, or 5. Naloxone? The correct answer is 3, L-carnitine. This patient has a history of borderline personality disorder, making suicide more likely and a mood stabilizer such as valproic acid a possible treatment, and is presenting with altered mental status, respiratory depression, hypernatremia, hypocalcemia, elevated liver enzymes, and an elevated ammonia level, suggesting valproic acid overdose. The antidote for valproic acid overdose is L-carnitine. Valproic acid overdose presents with CNS depression, unstable vitals, and respiratory depression. It's commonly seen in depressed patients as a suicide attempt, in particular when they are taking this medication at baseline, such as for a seizure disorder or as a mood stabilizer. Laboratory tests can support this diagnosis, including hypernatremia, hypocalcemia, a metabolic acidosis, elevated liver enzymes, and hyperaminemia, which is also common with chronic use and may not be indicative of overdose by itself. The treatment of an acute overdose involves the administration of activated charcoal, if early in presentation, naloxone, which is minimally effective but may improve respiratory symptoms, and L-carnitine. L-carnitine increases valproic acid metabolism and is appropriate in patients presenting with overdose and liver dysfunction. Severe cases can be treated with dialysis. Now let's discuss the incorrect answers. Answer 1. Fomepizole inhibits alcohol dehydrogenase and is indicated in the management of methanol and ethylene glycol overdose, which presents with slurred speech, emotional lability and confusion as well as blurred vision, which is seen in methanol poisoning, and calcium oxalate kidney stones, which is seen in ethylene glycol poisoning. After fomepizole administration, dialysis should be performed. Answer 2. Glucagon, insulin, calcium, epinephrine, and lipid emulsion therapy is the treatment of a beta-blocker overdose, which presents with bradycardia, hypotension, and hypoglycemia. These patients often need transcutaneous or transvenous pacing in severe overdose. Answer 4. Lactulose is the treatment of choice for hepatic encephalopathy, which presents in cirrhotic patients with altered mental status and asterixis. This patient has no evidence of cirrhosis and elevated liver enzymes and hyperaminemia, can be seen in valproic overdose and toxicity. Answer five. Naloxone is indicated in the management of an opioid overdose, which presents with bradypnea, meiosis, and somnolence. It may help in the management of valproic acid overdose. However, it's not the first line agent. Now for a bullet summary. L-carnitine is the antidote of choice for a valproic acid overdose. Question number two. A 28-year-old female patient with a history of schizophrenia, type 2 diabetes mellitus, and hypothyroidism comes to clinic stating she would like to be put back on a medication. She recently stopped taking her haloperidol as it made it hard for her to sit still. She requests to be put on olanzapine as a friend from a support group said it was helpful. Why should this medication be avoided in this patient? 1. The patient is at high risk for torsades. 2. There is a high risk for retinopathy. 3. The patient has type 2 diabetes 4. The patient may develop galacteria or 5. Tardive dyskinesia will likely result from the prolonged use of olanzapine The correct answer is 3. The patient has type 2 diabetes This patient has schizophrenia, type 2 diabetes, and would like to be treated with olanzapine Olanzapine is associated with weight gain and increases the risk of developing metabolic syndrome Olanzapine, along with clozapine, is an antipsychotic known for its side effects of weight gain and metabolic syndrome. Patients who are obese or have type 2 diabetes mellitus should not be prescribed olanzapine, as the drug may worsen these conditions. Likewise, if a patient is prescribed olanzapine, he or she should be followed closely for increases in weight and blood sugar. Munch et al., in their review on the adverse effects of antipsychotics, found that olanzapine and clozapine carry the highest risk of weight gain, type 2 diabetes, and other complications of metabolic syndrome. In fact, the metabolic side effects of olanzapine may ensue shortly after the medication is prescribed. Patients should have frequent follow-up visits to monitor weight, waist circumference, blood pressure, lipids, and blood glucose levels. Comasaw et al. reviewed the effectiveness and side effect profiles of olanzapine compared to other atypical antipsychotics. They found that olanzapine increased weight on average 2.1 to 5.6 kg more than other atypical antipsychotics, clozapine excluded. Olanzapine was also slightly more efficacious than other atypical antipsychotics except clozapine. Now let's discuss the incorrect answers. Answer 1. Although olanzapine may increase the QTC interval, the effect is moderate as compared to ziprazidone Additionally, this patient does not have any history of conduction defects or cardiac disease. Answer 2. Retinopathy is a known side effect of thioridazine, a low-potency typical antipsychotic. Of note, thioridazine is also known to carry a high risk of QTC prolongation. Answer 4. Although hypothyroidism may increase the risk of galactorrhea, olanzapine is not known to cause this side effect. Risperidone is the atypical antipsychotic known to lead to galacteria. Answer 5. Tardive dyskinesia is seen mostly in patients who take typical high-potency antipsychotics for longer periods of time. Question number 3. A 34-year-old male presents to clinic today complaining that his medication has stopped working. He states despite being able to manage the side effects, a voice has returned again telling him to hurt his mother. You prescribe him a drug which has shown improved efficacy in treating his disorder, but requires frequent follow-up visits. One week later, he returns with the following lab results. A white blood cell count of 2,500, 55% of which are neutrophils, and 1% are bands. What drug was the patient prescribed? 1. Olanzapine 2. Haloperidol 3. Chlorpromazine 4. Clozapine or 5. lorazepam. If you guessed number four, clozapine, you're correct. This patient presented with treatment-resistant schizophrenia and was prescribed clozapine. After returning for follow-up, he was found to have agranulocytosis with an absolute neutrophil count, or ANC, of approximately 1,400. Clozapine is an atypical antipsychotic that is the only approved drug for treatment-resistant schizophrenia. It's not considered a first-line drug due to the 1% risk of developing agranulocytosis. Other important side effects of clozapine include myocarditis, silaria, orthostatic hypotension, and seizures. Patients taking clozapine should have blood counts taken weekly for the first six months with less frequent intervals afterwards. Munch and Hammer discuss the side effects of typical and atypical antipsychotics. Clozapine is commonly associated with metabolic syndrome and the most serious side effect being agranulocytosis. Should the ANC drop below 1500 in a person taking clozapine, the drug should be stopped immediately. Meltzer discusses the advantages and side effects of clozapine. Patients taking clozapine have decreased risk of suicide, relapse, and movement issues. Additionally, those taking the drug have a higher quality of life. The risk of agranulocytosis is highest in the first six months of therapy, and patients should undergo frequent evaluation of blood counts. After six months of therapy, the mortality risk of agranulocytosis is similar to that of other drugs. Now let's quickly cover the incorrect answers answer number one patients on the atypical antipsychotic olanzapine should be followed for the development of metabolic syndrome and diabetes answer two haloperidol is a high potency typical antipsychotic that is known for its movement side effects dystonia akathisia pseudoparkinsonism and tardive dyskinesia answer three chlorpromazine is a low potency typical antipsychotic known for its anticholinergic effects. Answer 5. Lorazidone is a newer atypical antipsychotic which is becoming popular as it is weight neutral. That's all for this review of psychiatric medications. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing these topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or mobile app while reading through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets podcast thus far, we'd appreciate your consideration in leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.